Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kingdom of God podcast. Thank you for being here. Uh, I have a very exciting show for you today. In fact, the title of today's show is going to have something to do with magic, vampires, and victory. Not sure how the order is going to be or how I'm going to phrase that exactly, but, uh, you know, it might not sound like much of a show dedicated to, uh, you know, helping people understand or know how to govern ourselves as kings and queens in a common law jurisdiction, because we are all are all naturally uh, kings and queens in our sovereign state of being. We are the absolute authority of law in our United Kingdom that was given us by God. And it doesn't matter which country of the world you live in or, or where you were born or anything else. Um, the only way that anybody in this world can ever legally have any authority over you is by way of your consent. Uh, so that's the vampire reference if, if you want. And uh, victory we'll be talking about a little bit today because we will be touching on the magic of yesterday's podcast. Uh, I'm feeling very good about this show right now because, uh, I don't know, I'm very happy with the content of yesterday's show especially. Uh, I did a couple more things in my microcosm to protect myself and I, and I said, you know, I was really just kind of racking my brain to find every possible opportunity and, and solution. And one of those considerations was the ombudsman. And I thought, you know what, uh, it can't hurt, you know, it's, you know, every complaint that I make is going to work to my favor. So I decided to do that and it did elicit a response today. So that casting of magic that I put into the universe yesterday did uh, you know, to cause things in the macrocosm to, it, it started a chain of events that elicited a response from housing services. You know, that is the magic that we are putting into letters and words that we speak. And this is why the pen is mightier than the sword. So, uh, got a great show for you today. I really think you're going to find it very, very interesting. I do have uh, another Letters Out Loud edition for you today as well, uh, but this is going back in time. Uh, so it's going to be kind of going back to the first uh, week of my relaunch of this podcast where I was going through my the things that I did in chronological order, and I'm picking up chronologically from there as well. Uh, this was actually the first letter that I sent to any government service agency after I had mailed my SESTA KV and before I had ever received a response from Sean Kearney's office. So I'll be talking a little bit more about that. Uh, got a great show for you today. Hang right there, I'll be right back. Thanks for being here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back and yeah, one of the things I'm going to be talking about today is tricks of government, and it's relevant. I don't know if this is going to be uh, kind of the same in every country. Um, you know, I'm in the geographical region commonly known as Canada, and I'm just going to be talking about some of the tricks that the government of Canada tries to play. and. The reason I'm talking about this now is because I'm four years in and I know a lot of people are really, really kind of nervous about taking this plunge, you know, declaring their own status, creating their own identification. Um, there's absolutely no reason why anybody should be afraid to do that, right? You didn't come here with any predetermined master, so why would that be a scary thing to do? But it is. Um, and it is because... You know, we've all been taught to follow these different processes, right? You know, you get, your birth, you get your birth certificate and then you go out and you get your social insurance number or social security number if you're in the United States, whatever it is. And we just follow along with whatever the people who've been ahead of us have done. So it's, 
unfortunately, it's been a lot of the blind leading the blind. And, uh, you know, people who wake up to the truth of who they are and what's going on in the world initially generally feel pretty angry. <laughs> uh, and I, I wasn't an exception to that rule. Uh, again, you know, I think I temper my, my emotions pretty well, but, you know, I could feel that passion burning in my chest, like, oh my goodness, how dare you? And, you know, you'll get a sense of that today because one of the letters that I'm going to read to you, as I mentioned in the intro, is the first letter that I sent after sending out all of my notices. And this is, uh, let me check the date here, but April, I think. Uh, yeah, April 2nd. Okay, so keep in mind that I sent my assessed to KV to the Registrar General uh, and the Attorney General of Canada on or about, you know, the 2nd or 3rd of January. Uh, you know, it was sometime after the Christmas break and New Year's break. Uh, I did it, I created the stuff on, on Christmas Day, and I knew that I was going to wait until the Anno Domini New Year. <clears throat> because creating that for me was like New Year's for me on that day. I would, you know, I genuinely, magically felt as though I was born again. You know, like truly I did. I felt like I was in charge of my own life for the first time. I didn't really care what the government had to say in response to it. I was confident in what I was doing. And from this day forward, I was going to stand on this document as my sole piece of identifying information. Uh, and that really truly did have a transformational effect on me because the moment I sent all those documents off, I legitimately started thinking about how one would, you know, make their way in the world if they don't belong to any country and they're not part of any economic system or any of that. And those are huge questions to be asking oneself on an individual basis, right? And one of the other things I've mentioned before that, you know, I've obviously been criticized for, I'm sure people know, um, and especially in what might be called the sovereign movement or the law movement or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm going to actually call it the, the right of self-determination movement because that's what it is. And there is a very true and real recognized right of self-determination that exists in the world. It is the very, very first of the inherent rights to be honored by the UN Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. And that is not a coincidence either. Okay. It's the very first right that all of us have. It essentially means the right of free will. So I knew all of these things. I sent all my letters out and started thinking about, you know, okay, so how do I go about doing this? I'm in receipt of social welfare, basically for, you know, that's what it's called Ontario works in Canada, but you know, that's how the world knows it is, is welfare. Uh, and again, that was one of those things that was really, really hard for me to even accept because I come from the same world everybody else does. Like 10 years ago, I, I literally um, was angry when I saw people who were what I felt was taking advantage of the welfare system. You know, oh, you're too lazy to work and this and that, whatever. I had those ideas. And uh, that was one of the first things that, you know, was a real slap in the face for me when I had a spiritual awakening. I was just like, oh my God, like really? <laughs> uh, but you know, we grow and we evolve and you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be, you know, a tax burden to the rest of Canadians. I've mentioned here before that this is one of the reasons I don't actually want to be compelled to file a statement of claim because even if that claim is awarded to me, that does not serve the Canadian people. And it's the Canadian people that I truly want to serve, all well, the people of the world, legitimately. But, you know, start start within and work outward, right? So Canada first and, and the rest of the world will follow. But anyway, uh, what I expected to happen because of that is that I thought, okay, so, so I've, I've sent this to the... Registrar General, I've sent it to the Attorney General. I don't know what to expect, right? But I know exactly what I'm asking them to do. 
I'm asking them to close out the public trust and close out any accounts that were created in my name um, and to restore the value of those to me or let me discharge them from the unlimited commercial value of my life. And then from that point forward, let me, you know, discharge any costs necessary for my life. You know, I'll accept debts from your country as value and I'll, I'll discharge them. And that's legitimately how it works. Um, one moment, uh, somebody's at my door. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Doesn't really get much more raw than that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is kind of cool because, uh, that like literally never happens. That is the very, very first time ever in uh, a year and whatever that someone has randomly knocked on my door. Actually, sorry, no, second time. My neighbor did knock once. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> very, very, very rare. And it was a friend I hadn't seen in a very, very long time, only stopped by to smoke a joint with me, which is just like, again, the icing on the cake of a day like today because I told you some magic is happening in the universe. And <laughs> I, I always say that, you know, for people who are in my microcosm, uh, my words like literally manifest. So when I talk about magic, it's not a coincidence that somebody, you know, knocks on my door when I'm in the middle of a call <laughs> talking about it and magically, you know, decides to, uh, Give me a little more inspiration for this amazing call that I'm going to be sharing with you tonight. And uh, yeah, so I have somewhat of a, well, I've got some really, really good news about the housing services thing that I was talking about yesterday. So this is going to be a great second part to yesterday's show. If you haven't listened to yesterday's show, I strongly recommend doing it because uh, that was the magic that was cast yesterday. That's the result of what's going on today. So I've got good news on the housing services front and that's inspired me to go back in time and talk about, uh, you know, as I was saying that it had a transformational effect on me to, uh, write the SESTA KV and, you know, have my own legitimate legal entity now, you know, because like I said, courts only rule on paper, right? So they need to have something on paper to, to, you know, work with. And that's, that's what it is. That's what this is to KB. It, it just tells them there's a living man, you know, and it shows them on paper. So, um, despite the fact that I had not heard any response back and a couple more things I want to say for anybody who wants to embark on this journey. And I was just thinking about this before I came back on and inspired by the, uh, heightened state of mind is that I really do strongly want to emphasize that one of the reasons, legitimately actually the only reason probably, why I had the will and confidence to write a SESTA KV and the determination to write one is because I am like legitimately, my life's purpose is to champion for God. As crazy as that might sound, it's not a joke. And I know that my duty on this earth under God is to do my very, very, very best to try to ensure the protection of, you know, the laws of God's kingdom, the rights and dignity that God wishes for every man on earth to know and enjoy that I'm to fight for those rights for everyone. And so I legitimately not just feel and believe, but I know God is 100% behind everything I'm doing. And, you know, <laughs> you can't, you can't lose if God is with you. I, I mean, in the end, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it any better than that, but it like, really, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're, if, if you're one of those people who wants to, um, create a new 
legal entity because you want to just get out of paying taxes or you don't want to have to have a driver's license or, you know, I don't know. <laughs> if it's for any kind of like, I would call those frivolous reasons, to be honest with you. Like it had nothing to do with any of that for me. Um, it literally for me had to do with the fact that, you know, I walked into a court in a country where I believed we had a pretty good system of rights and discovered that for whatever reason, none of them applied to me. And, you know, so that set me on a quest to find out what was going on. And that's, that's what it is. And that's also why it's important for me to be talking about the magic and the tricks of government, which is something I said I would be talking about and the relevance to this very first letter that I writ. And, you know, I think it's important for my listeners to know that this was the first letter I writ even before the government got back to me. So I didn't have any reassurance or anything. I had the same response that anybody else basically who embarks on this quest generally gets is nothing. It's just silence all the time. They don't say anything. And I'm saying that, you know, of course they are not because nobody, like I said, nobody has any authority over you. It's all just an illusion. It's all by, you know, it's all because you've never said anything else about it. That's really what it is. Um, and so one of the things I've been talking about in the common law book is that the common law really is contract law. And so despite the fact that uh, I was just watching a, a legitimate licensed practicing lawyer who, you know, knows what he's talking about, was basically uh, stating that statute law is, you know, the highest, you know, most supreme law. And it was interesting because it's absolutely not true. And yet it is also true in a way because all of those statute laws are applicable by way of contract law, which is the highest law. And so statute law is the highest law because we have all as citizens agreeing to these laws. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a contract really. It's just a different type of contract. So both are correct. Um, so what I thought would happen if they did everything that they're supposed to do, which, you know, was to close down all the accounts and whatever. Well, I, you know, was on welfare and I expected to get cut off. That's legitimately what I thought would happen. And then, uh, I don't know what I was going to do at that point, but like, you know, um, I would presume that because they were doing that, that would mean that they had closed the account and that somehow we were going to resolve these things and whatever. I would have like this amicable discussion with the responsible people of government. And, you know, we would, you know, we would work out some way for me to go about living my spiritual life without, you know, whatever, it all just like, there is a process. And I figured that would get done. I'd get some kind of letter and, you know, from Ontario Works stating that they weren't going to be providing benefits anymore because I made some kind of change of status and that, you know, contact this person or whatever, something. I don't, I don't know what I was expecting, but there was nothing at least until April 3rd. So that's, you know, January, February, March, April. So we're, we're going into the fourth month and it's not a response from government, you know, from the attorney general or the registrar general, the important offices that I writ. It was just from Ontario Works and it was <clears throat> basically asking me to come in for an annual meeting, I think. And uh, I, I don't know, because it's like, even then I had verbally told them what I was working on accomplishing with the Canadian government. So most of the time they just kind of left me alone too. Um, so I thought it was very strange that they were asking me to come in for an annual meeting because they'd never done that before. And, you know, I, yeah, I guess I had been back in Guelph for about a year at that point. So I don't know, it just surprised me. So I had to go in for a personal meeting. And what really angered me is that the letter that came to me was addressed to Sean Bonden in all capital letters. <laughs> and I thought, seriously, like, okay, I understand that they haven't like closed the accounts yet or whatever. And, but you're, you're actually going to send a letter to my house addressed to this name. 
are you kidding me? So I literally like went through the entire letter and I circled every instance of Sean Von Den expressed in capital letters. I circled it. I put an arrow. I wrote what it, what it means in Canadian law and referenced where it means that on the, you know, Justice of Canada website or whatever. Like I just, I broke down the entire letter according to how it's defined by Canadian law and sent it back to Sean or to, to my worker, which was Ian Murray and included a letter of my own. <laughs> and so what I'm going to be sharing with you today is actually uh, the very, very first letter that I ever wrote to the government after filing my SESTA KV. And the significance of this is that I've said that, you know, I knew when I was creating that document and sending off those notices back in January that, you know, uh, from that moment forward, I could never ever uh, act in a way that is not consistent with the statements and declarations that I'd already made to the Canadian government. You know, I, it's one thing to send those letters and have them not do anything, right? But I was very, very clear in my letters to the Registrar General and the Attorney General of Canada that I am not Sean Von Den expressed in all capital letters. I will not answer to that name. And I, you know, resent any attempt to ever connect me or associate me with that name for any purpose whatsoever. And, you know, if you do it again, it's going to cost you or something. Uh, I don't even think I said that it was going to cost them. I just told them not to. Um, and yeah, if you want to know exactly what I said, uh, those are the first three letters with the Sesta KV, which will be in the Letters Out Loud series at some point as well. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to get to that letter. And I think you're going to enjoy it because when I say that, you know, uh, when when you first wake up to the truth of the world and everything, there is there is a little bit of fire in your belly kind of thing. It does make you a little bit angry. And um, that passion really comes out in this letter because it's the first time since then and after hearing nothing for three months. And the first letter that I do get from any service representative of the Canadian government is addressed to me in all capital letters. And now that I'm four years in, and now that I'm telling the story of my recent tale with housing services, the reason I'm talking about tricks of government is because I recognize now that this was not an accident. They hadn't ever addressed me in all capital letters before like that. Not in a letter. <laughs> like, you know, I'd asked them not to before. And so like, even on my check, it was never expressed in all capital letters. It was my name spelled properly. It had Mr. in front of it, which I didn't really like but they didn't spell my name in all caps. And he did on this letter. And that really made me angry because although I didn't expect that he did it intentionally, I knew that if I accepted the letter without protesting it and making it, you know, and letting them know that that is absolutely not acceptable, I will not let you address me that way. Uh, I'm, you know, it could be perceived that they were trying to establish joinder and contract between me and that legal entity, that legal person. They're trying to basically say, no, you are that because you're going to like, it's, it's like a voodoo doll, right? That's all it is. It's just a corporate title. But if they put it on a piece of paper, they're going to make you dance because they're going to put that corporate title on the paper and they're going to give you a whole bunch of instructions. And because you are that bonded slave, as far as they're legally defining you, you're going to do everything that they say. And that's the attitude, literally. Well, I don't believe that any of this was a mistake. And it's just because of the timeline. And it seems to me that I think something was communicated. And government offices will always tell you that they do not communicate between one another so housing services has no idea what Ontario Works is doing. This is why you need to file income reports and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, you know, they're both representing, representing the same insurance, like 
cool. It's the same thing. It's still Revenue Canada oversees all of that stuff, right? Whether it's a job income, whether it's... So they should just be able to, you know, contact Revenue Canada and make sure that everything's good. Or Revenue Canada should just basically be trusted to oversee things and make sure that you're, you know, shouldn't be the burden of the person receiving to prove that they're not receiving a whole bunch of money. Anyway, um, getting a little bit off topic on that, but... The point is, even I back then thought it was an innocent mistake that he sent me this letter. And I'm telling you now, I do not think so. Not at all. I do believe that these offices communicate behind the scenes and, you know, they can't ever admit that. Kind of like the police have this code and whatever, government have a code too, I believe. But they do communicate behind the, the scenes, but they're not allowed to let you know that they do. And, you know, they always have to, like, make you get consent for them to, and it's limited to this and this and this and this, and you sign off on it, but they talk about whatever they want. So it's ridiculous to presume that the government and these service agents, like housing services, don't know that I do, in fact, hold the position of king. And, again, that might sound really funny, but it's actually true. And... Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the good news of what happened today because I have basically a little bit more confirmation of that from the city of Ottawa with what's going on right now. Um, but before I get to that, I'm going to go to this next letter. It's a bit of a longer one, uh, but it's also a little bit funny. Um, and I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I, <laughs> this is why I decided to do the Letters Out Loud series too, because like really, I do have a bit of a sense of humor in my letters, but you can tell I'm being dead serious at the same time. So I think you're going to appreciate it. And uh, like I said, there's a lot of magic going on in the universe right now. And I'm now understanding how important this next letter actually was to everything else that I've done, because it was the first right thing that I did. Um, you know, I, I don't mess around. So <laughs> that's coming up right after the break. Stay tuned. King Sean, House of Onden, Hand of Stephen, Kingdom of God, top left corner. And then on the top right corner, I have my elephant logo and then care of my street address, gnosticwisdom37 at gmail.com, April 2nd, 2017. <clears throat> Dear Mr. Ian Murray, I am addressing you at Capitus Diminutia Maxima for two reasons. First, because that was how you chose to address me, and two, because I don't want you, the man, Ian Murray, to be found guilty of any common law crimes. I don't believe you have or ever have had any intention to cause me harm or steal my property, but you're acting in dishonor by addressing me with the commercial title of slave. Frankly, I believe your letter evidences your participation in the constructive fraud, but I'm of the presumption that you are as ignorant as I once was and a victim of the fraud yourself. Gage Canadian Dictionary 1983 Section 4 defines capitalist adjective as to take advantage of, to use to one's own advantage. Black's Law Dictionary, 4th edition, 1968, provides a more comprehensive de definition as follows. Capitus diminutio, meaning the, diminish the diminishing of status through the use of capitalization, in brackets. In Roman law, a diminishing or abridgment of personality, a loss or curtailment of a man's status or aggregate of legal attributes and qualifications. Capitus diminutia minima, meaning a minimum loss of status through the use of capitalization. For example, John Doe, spelled the normal way. Uh, the lowest or least comprehensive degree of loss of status. This occurred where a man's family relations alone were changed. It happened upon the arrogation, pride, of a person who has been his own master, sui juris, of his own right and not under any legal disability or upon the emancipation of one who had been under patriot protestus, parental authority, state. It left the rights of liberty and citizenship unaltered. 
uh, see instructions 116 paragraphs 123 and DIG 4511 Meckled Roman Law 144. And then capitus diminutia media, meaning a medium loss of status through the use of capitalization, for example, John with the last name in all capitals, is a lesser or medium loss of status. This occurred where a man loses his rights of citizenship, but without losing his liberty. It carried away also the family rights. Capitus diminutia maxima, meaning a maximum loss of status through the use of capitalization. For example, John Doe, spelled in all capitals. The highest or most comprehensive loss of status. This occurred when a man's condition was changed from one of freedom to one of bondage, when he became a slave. It swept away with it all rights of citizenship and all family rights. According to Black's Law, you're addressing me as a slave and may be held commercially liable for infringement upon my sovereignty and rights in a common law jurisdiction. Sean Von Den, in all capital letters, is a commercial character, a piece of paper, a negotiable instrument, not me. I'm King Sean, House of Von Den, and this is the hand of Stephen, my will to pen this letter. I'm the author of my writ or the authority in my kingdom. I'm a true man of God acting in full capacity of the law in a common law jurisdiction. My intention is to stand in honor and to be responsible for my pre previous transgressions. I've sent the letters that I presented to you in your office to the Attorney General, Canada's private corporation responsible for the issuance of birth, death, and marriage certificates, Express Legal, the Toronto Crown, the Guelph Police, the Toronto Police, and have contacted MP Lloyd Longfield with my concerns regarding the issue of status, sovereignty, and whether or not a man may be compelled to pledge the commercial value of his life to a foreign nation or corporation against his will. I'm yet to receive a reply. I'm also acting under the presumption that you are not an expert in law and have no idea that you've asked me to that what you've asked me to do is to reduce my standing and capacity in law to that of a master, granted usury privileges of the titled character with little or no standing and capacity in commerce, waiving all common law rights in exchange for privileges and benefits sanctioned by the state, Corporation of Canada, rather than the king I have made it very clear that I am. Of course, I will consent to no such degradation of status or capacity, and one who is an expert in law may consider such an attempt to trick a living man into giving life to the commercial corpus, entrapment, or even blackmail, as you also threaten me with intimidation by suggesting that my right to social benefits may be revoked if I do not perform or act in a certain way. I would like you to explain to me in writing why you believe you have any right or authority to grant or deny me rights of any kind and why you addressed me as a slave with no family rights. Failure to attend may result in an immediate suspension of future benefits. This is called a demand to perform with a consequence, threat, for failure to comply. I am the wealth of the estate you are now unlawfully administrating and it is my duty in a common law jurisdiction to inform you of such and place you on notice to remain in honor and good standing. Notice to principal is notice to agent and notice to agent is notice to principal. In short, and in the plainest, most concise English I can compose, I've reclaimed my kingdom, irrespective of whether or not you know and or understand what that means. I'm the source of the wealth you are administrating on my behalf under the presumption that I've consented for you to do so when my letters make it very clear that I have not. I am the value, the kingdom, the power, and the glory for which all commercial accounts with the name Sean Von Den have been created, and I now also hold evidence of my claim or the title deed to my unlimited commercial value by way of my SESTA KV declaration. I have the power of authority to release sufficient funds from the value of my real estate to offset any and all commercial debt. I am more than willing to release sufficient value from my estate to set up an indemnity bond for all commercial liability and public services. I believe this to be a willful and constructive fraud, but I also believe that those who are most involved in this fraud are just like you, completely unaware of their involvement. I don't believe for one moment that you had any intention to incite me to reduce my status and rights to that of a slave. I believe you were completely ignorant. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. I have also concluded that most are not spiritually mature enough to know how to, to know right from wrong without governance, and those who are will do as I am doing now. In a common law jurisdiction, you are a public servant, and that is the only legal realm in which I can exist, or any man, but I don't expect you to comprehend what I'm talking about. And I do so with the standing and status of king, our inherent, natural, sovereign state, in brotherhood, kinship, 
kingship with all of man. You do not make demands of me. You are my servant until the issue of my sovereignty is addressed by this state. I am hoping that I will soon learn that this is not a constructive fraud, that my presumed consent to donate my life and energy to Canada was a misunderstanding, and that my estate has been held in trust as something of a test until I demonstrate that I'm spiritually, mentally, and physically capable of administrating my kingdom honorably and with full capacity in standing in law. As per my letter to the Attorney General, you are guilty of copyright infringement for unauthorized use of my commercial character. I am asking of you for $37 million Canadian Oh, sorry, that's $37,000 $37, Canadian for each violation to payable immediately, and you may issue the funds from whatever account you have been unlawfully administrating. When I say immediately, 24 hours will be sufficient. The commercial realm is a fiction, and I know the game well enough to play. You made a performance demand of my commercial character and expected me, the living man, to show up. As there was also a threat of, for failure to comply, I did so under duress. Time is money, brother. Failure to comply with my order within 24 hours and the penalty for each violation will increase to $370,000 Canadian per violation. My name may only be used by my express written of consent or as directed by me for the resolution of crimes against my sovereignty and infringement of trespass upon my common law rights. I have also pointed out a number of details with respect to your letter and would like full disclosure on the intention and use behind addressing me as Sean Von Den specifically the style of my name and use of Capitus Diminutia Maximus, why you are communicating with me in legalese when I have made it very clear that I am not the commercial titled character, I am the wealth and administrator of my estate, and that I would like all correspondences in English as I do not fully comprehend legalese and do not want to be deceived or tricked into reducing my status or surrendering my rights in a common law jurisdiction. I'm not wasting any more time defending my position to those who have no idea how case law works, though as a case worker, one would think you should be an expert. I strongly suggest that you forward all letters I have presented to you today to your legal department for review if you do not fully comprehend the content. Previously, you've acted as a public servant and have deferred my participation in Ontario Works programs as I've expressed that requiring me to pay taxes against my will is in violation of my common law rights, especially when Canada has no true wealth, only legal tender, perceived wealth, all of which is owed to private centralized banks. I believe this is fraud, and I've expressed my concern orally and in writing. I cannot and will not be compelled to aid and abet a constructive fraud that robs the Canadian people of their true wealth, the goods and services created by man. I trust that my intentions and concerns in this letter will be more than sufficient documentation necessary to extend my deferral from participation in Ontario Works employment programs until the concerns of my documentation, doc, you meant, mind, doc, like a ship, my mind, intentions, are addressed. It is important that my intentions are securely docked and my ship is sound and watertight before I enter into Maritime Admiralty's commercial waters. I am the owner of my ship, not the captain or master. I also trust in future correspondence you will address me appropriately. As far as work is concerned, I've worked very hard to know and comprehend the language I'm using now. I brought a copy of my book, which I share freely on my blog. I'm a spiritual guide and mentor to those who know me personally. I author a blog to share my philosophies with the world about imposing my beliefs on others. These come without imposing my beliefs on others. These contributions, along with hundreds of paintings and artistic creations, contribute to expansion of consciousness in ways most of men cannot comprehend and are worth more true wealth than any perceived value I could generate with my physical body at a meaningless job that rapes our planet and country of its natural resources for the sake of consumerism. Think about it. Consumerism. We consume everything, and we perceive the more, the better. It's madness. You will eventually consume the planet for worthless pieces of paper, and their perceived value will be considerably less. I will not be a part of it. I trust we can negotiate a peaceful and speedy remedy, and I look forward to hearing from you soon. Warm regards, King Sean, Hand of Stephen, House of Von Den, Kingdom of God, Thumbprint. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, so there you have it. Um, so yeah, 
if you're gonna go down this road, it's really not a joke. And I mean, I don't mess around with my letters. I don't know how that letter sounds, but every time I read it, I try to imagine how Ian Murray, the recipient of that letter, must have felt when he read it. I mean, uh, and wouldn't you know, uh, yeah, I was never required to report to, uh, Ontario Works again after that. My name has never been expressed in all capital letters by their offices again. And even when I moved to Ottawa, uh, <laughs> they basically told me, uh, at the Salvation Army that I would have to apply for, uh, welfare again. And I said, okay, that's fine. Um, and she said, well, you're going to need to get ID. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't use a birth certificate or any, or any government issued ID. I said, I'm, I'm sovereign law, you know, and of course they just think I'm crazy. So, um, you know, they're sitting there and they're telling me, uh, well, you know what, you're, you know, you can call them and we can try and we'll do it right now. Um, she said, but they're going to tell you that you need to have ID. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to get those forms set up for you. And she said, but we'll, we'll let you call them first and apply. <laughs> so we get on the phone and, uh, you know, I tell them my name. They ask me if I'm married or single. I say that's personal, private, confidential information. They asked me what level of education I completed. I told them that's personal, private, confidential information. And, uh, they said, uh, do you have a birth certificate and social insurance number? And I said, no, I don't use any government issued ID and this should be very well known by the government. <laughs> and she said, can you hold for a moment? And this is all on speakerphone, by the way. So they're both looking at me like stunned because I'm not giving them any of the information that they're asking me for. And they're just like, okay, okay. <laughs> like the lady on the other end of the phone, I'm not kidding. She actually sounded like she was like nervous and scared. It was weird, even for me, because I, I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't going to apply. I was, I was just doing what they were telling me to do. I was like, okay, you know, and that was the purpose is like, as a journalist, this was my, you know, thing. It was like, okay, so how, how long would it take a smart guy who's like an artist and has a vision and whatever and wants to live, you know, not-for-profit life? Let's just say that I'm okay with all of the commercial nonsense, you know, and I'm willing to take all of the sports that are offered to me. How long does it take? a smart person who's not, you know, got any serious addiction issues or anything like that to get into an apartment. That was the goal. So I'm, I'm working my way through the system, you know, and, uh, she puts me on hold and I swear she's gone for like five minutes. And when she comes back, she says, sorry, that was my supervisor on an unrelated matter. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure it was unrelated, but I didn't say that of course, but, uh, and she was like, are you available to come in for an interview tomorrow? And that was the other thing earlier in the call. Um, they'd said that they uh, were really, really busy and they didn't have any uh, appointments until, you know, sometime toward the end of next week. And she comes back, her supervisor gets back on the phone. Um, after she comes back from her supervisor, she says, are you available for an interview tomorrow? And I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> And she said, uh, how, uh, 10.30 or 2.30. And like, so I even got two, two time offers. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, and when I went there, of course, I just used my SESTA KV and handed the same notices that I've given to the Attorney General and the Registrar General and said, like, look, I'm only, I'm only here under duress. You know, I'm waiting for this to get sorted out. And that's literally what I stand on everywhere. It's just like, look, I don't want to have to bring these people into court. I'm hoping that you guys are going to get your shit together real soon. And that way I don't have to sue anybody. Okay. So you just provide me with the benefits so I don't have to sue the government and uh, I'll, I'll try and take care of the superior offices myself. And they were pretty much okay with that. <laughs> they don't want to argue with me. So they'll let me take my fight with the government and they don't want to speak to those letters that they, you know, when I present those letters to them, they're kind of scared. They're just like, okay, <laughs> they don't know what to do. So they just, they just give and the reason I'm talking about tricks of government is because the longer I'm on this road, the more they have been trying, they legitimately have been. I don't believe any of it's a coincidence. 
so they knew that there was no way I was ever going to accept my name in all capital letters ever again. But you know what? They, they decided to give a try at the capitalist media definition of status. You know, let, let's try just putting the last name in all capital letters and see if that applies. Well, of course it's not going to apply. <laughs> and they're finding that out now. And like legitimately, uh, this idea that they do not communicate behind the scenes, government offices, is just nonsense. Don't let anybody tell you that is that that's true. Um, like, I don't know what the service representatives themselves do, but they certainly know what's going on because the heads of those offices definitely communicate. And I 100% know my intuition tells me, and I trust my intuition 100%. And I've had enough experiential things where it would potentially seem like I am just being a ridiculously paranoid person. That's how it would seem on the surface. And I like, that's the thing. I acknowledge that. And that's why I'm, I try to be patient. I'm like, look, I understand this isn't intentional. You wouldn't ever deliberately address me with capital letters if you knew what it meant in law. So surely this was just ignorance and you made a mistake and that's okay. Just don't do it again. <laughs> and, you know, so when housing services tried to make me, uh, yeah, um, the government of Canada on some level, I'm telling you, understands how serious that threat is and how inappropriate it is. Um, that brings me to the magic of yesterday and what's going on in my microcosm. And this is where it all ties in because Ontario works, even though I moved city, it's the same office, right? And I'm telling you that if I communicate something to one person in one office, that applies to the entire office. Like anywhere in Ontario, Ontario Works has been given notice. You know, the Ontario, or yeah, Ontario Attorney General and Registrar General have been given notice. And those two offices have said, good day, sir. <laughs> you know, we see you, sir, and we're not, we're not, disputing you, sir. And uh, I'm going to touch on that because that was how I was addressed by my letter from Housing Services today. Hi, sir. So I'm going to touch on that because I've said before that my very first letter from uh, Sean Kearney was addressed, dear sir. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Why am I okay with that? Uh, the law.com dictionary, and I'll provide a link with this podcast, sir, uh, the law.com law dictionary and Black's Law Dictionary second edition, sir, a title of honor given to kings or emperors in speaking or writing to them, also used as a financial abbreviation, stores, issuance, requisition. So if it's in all capital letters, it's, yeah, but... Sir, even in all caps, in Black's Law, is a title of honor given to kings or emperors in speaking or writing to them. So, I'm asking you to take notice of that before I read you my beautiful letter from Housing Services this morning, uh, which reads, Momento, por favor. Uh, okay, so I should also point out that this was kind of interesting because I thought it was actually potentially in response to my landlord calling over, and it may be, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to have double magic working in the universe, so uh, I believe my landlord was sending an email. I don't know if she got a response or not. Uh, she didn't really say. I told my landlord that everything's good now. <laughs> And she was, you know, she said she's happy to hear it when I received the package that I can still call my landlord and they will drive it over to instead of having me send it back. So, you know, like they're really, really just above and beyond amazing. Um, but anyway, here's the email. <laughs> Hi, sir. Thank you for your email. As requested, we have mailed another 2021 housing allowance renewal package for, for you. Also, 
for your use and ease of reference, please find attached a copy of the renewal package. Thank you, Christina Merrill. So, um, you know, that's not going to be part of my Letters Out Loud series anyway, because I'm not, I'm not doing the responses yet. But, yeah, so uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> the same organization that was insisting I must respond to Bond and Sean is now addressing me as, hi, sir. Not even Sean. Hi, Sean, properly spelled would, you know, that would typically be maybe what they would do, or just hi. But no, hi, sir. I am not, you know, maybeing this. Someone has had a chat with them. Someone told them to write me a letter and tell me that there was going to be a package on the way to me. <laughs> and be polite. Make sure you do not insult his legal status. It is very serious, you see, <laughs> to insult a king. And we literally are all kings and queens. That's what's so funny about it. I know it sounds like a crazy thing, and yet, you know, it's plain as day obvious that it actually is a legal title, because if it wasn't, we wouldn't have a queen as head of state, would we? It absolutely is a, a, a legal title, and it is the natural status that all of us have. It's what your name means in law, in the proper spelling that you're taught in school, in grade school, if your name is on a court document spelled the proper way, you are good to go. You've got the status of a king in court. The trick is knowing how to act on it, knowing what rights you have. You have to know what a king can do and what a king can't do. And so that's, that's what it is. Um, a lot of people don't, you know, they don't want to take this plunge. Well, and a lot of people who even do take this plunge um, or do the acceptance for honor, or sorry, acceptance, or what do they do? Adverse claim. That's what they do. That's what I'm thinking of. There's, you know, they, they authenticate the birth certificate and then they make an adverse claim on it or something like that. I don't, I don't know. And I don't pretend to know. I don't want to know, <laughs> you know, um, because it's just, it, it's just a waste of time. It's all fiction. Uh, and and that's just it. We, we've got a queen as the head of state. So, of course, we're all queens and kings in court. And, of course, that's our proper legal status. And, you know, it's incredible that they would try to actually connect you to a status that means that. But I can tell you right now that they have been trying very hard with me specifically to do that. And... That is exactly how they would have perceived it if I had accepted the renewal package without protest. It was a trick. It was a trick. You know, people can think I'm paranoid all they want. But you really think that it's such a big deal to put somebody's name in all capital letters when they didn't do it that way the year before? You really think they accidentally put my name in all capital letters and then threatened me with the loss of my subsidy for failing to accept it on that name? No, they were trying and they were hoping, banking on the fact that I am just some crazy person who will never take them into court. You know, but the higher ups, they know. And somebody, something got got some traction from what I did yesterday. So <clears throat> exhausting all of your resources is absolutely paramount. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to touch on today for the magic of this thinking Thursday is I said I was going to talk about vampires a little bit. Well, vampires are like the perfect example or metaphor for the legal personality that we're given or the legal entity that we're given, the ID entity that most of us use and, and identify with. Because the first and most significant, I think, well, everything's relevant, but I think one of the most poetic, if you will, uh, you know, literally speaking, is that you must make a stake, 
claim, you know, stake your claim of right upon your life, upon your life. You've got to put a stake of right upon your life. A stake? Isn't it a stake through the heart of a vampire that kills it? Right? You make a stake claim upon your life, you kill the vampire. You kill that artificial person that's been sucking you dry, taking your lifeblood, taking your God force energy. And what burns them? The light, right? They can only go out at night. They're blood suckers in the dark. And what, what are the other characteristics of a vampire? Can't come into your house unless you invite them in. It's not a metaphor. Your house is given to you by your father, House of Den. You are not coming into my house. I don't let them in my house. See? And the whole reason that my name is expressed as King Sean, House of Bondi, and Hand of Stephen, Kingdom of God, in that order, is because that literally is a proper address, legally. And so anything that I put under that, it works the same way as, as you know, the rest of the mail system, right? So uh, a business address, right, starts with the, the specific, you know, street address, and then goes to the city, and then the state, and then the country, right? Same idea. It's, it's, you know, the individual, right? The land and then the house. And it can't get to the house without the will of the hand, right? So it has, all mail has to go through God's kingdom, get passed into the hand of Sean or the hand of Stephen and then be perceived by the mind of the house von Den. And, that, and that's the only way that the land of Sean can receive it. The land of Sean wouldn't be able to do any of that without the mind of the house and the will of the hand. So the address, even how it's expressed in my letters, is, is a legal and true address. And that's why it's expressed that way from the Registrar General's legal letter to me as well. Um, they express it in the proper legal style. And you can see that also reflected in my correspondences with Maravitz Protection LLP, because they're a proper legal firm. They don't have a regular legal letter. And you'll, you'll notice that it's expressed the same way in the top left-hand corner. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's Dear King Sean. So um, it is firmly established, and they, yeah, they've got a package out to me. You'll notice that they didn't say when they sent the package, they just said that a package has been sent to me. And that's kind of magical too, because I'm thinking that they just sent it today, that they, you know, somebody got on their ass and said, no, you are not gonna mess with this guy, get a package out to him, be nice. You know, they're trying to like stop the bleeding, but they haven't protested. So this is a response now. They haven't disputed the notice. This is the response to the notice. Thank you for your email. They're thanking me <laughs> for the notice of criminal liability and the claim of right to $100,000 for, for defaming my name and threatening me. So they've now acquiesced twice, first by silence and now by responding to me saying, yeah, okay, you know what? And they're not even speaking to any of the rest of it. So they're basically just, yeah, we're going to send a package out to you. Um, or we've sent you a new package. So let's hope that they did that before they sent this, uh, but I didn't receive it today. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'll receive it tomorrow, but my feeling is that they sent it today. I'll probably receive it sometime early next week. And because of this email, I am not going to walk to housing services because now they've told me that they've sent me a package. They're expecting me to return it to them. Uh, they're sending me a copy so that I have ease of reference. So I know what they're going to be waiting for or whatever. And I will get it back to them right away, but I'm going to do everything as it would be reasonable for somebody, you know, they have to give me reasonable time to accept this package, provide the information and send it back to them. And, you know, it's the 17th today, so I don't see any reason why that wouldn't get done before the 31st. And I'm absolutely 100% confident that they are not going to cut off my subsidy because uh, they know that that would not only be threatening me with economic duress for making an unreasonable performance demand, it would be carrying out the threat, which is even worse. So um, somebody's told them to back down and 
I am reasonably sure that I've resolved my housing situation. So I'll keep you posted, um, but there's lots more exciting stuff coming up in the near future because I'll be filing the statement of claim tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my show for today. Uh, but I really wanted to emphasize on this show that uh, I have been on this road for a long time. I really do know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, you know, it's not a joke that I studied for 10 years. I think that does start to come out of my letters a little bit. <clears throat> um, and that still doesn't mean that I know um, the commercial system or am in any kind of position to offer legal advice because, well, because take a look at how many statutes, codes, and whatever there are that have been legislated in Canada, never mind every other country in the world, and it's going to be different wherever you are. I am basically teaching the principles of the common law and, you know, how to have a contract from square one because you start with no contracts on you. So if you cancel all of those contracts and you make it known that everything from that point forward is how you wish to carry out your contracts. And this is how I'm doing it. I'm just, you know, I'm just putting all of these service agencies that work for the governments, the superior government offices now have acknowledged my position. They're not ignoring or, or you know, being dishonorable, except the individuals representing those offices. That's a different story. So I may be compelled to take them into court at some point as well. But that's that's the test. And I'm not kidding. That's what the government of Canada is doing. They are testing me. And I'm trying to tell them, don't test me. Don't. Just stop right now. Because if you really want to test me, I will bring you into court. And you're not going to like it that. Well, you said it. <laughs> it's not going to work out good for the government. So um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what they do. I'd be very surprised just because of the amount of attention that my blog and this podcast and everything else are now getting in the world, the kind of traction. It's, it's considerably more than it was when I started on this quest. And it's one thing for the government and the city of Ottawa to dismiss one rights violation as frivolous and vexatious and think I'm a crazy person. But if they try to do it with this lawsuit, um, especially because I'm conforming with every single rule of civil procedure. Uh, my case is, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't really uh, be objective about it, but I've gone through it as objectively as I possibly can. And based on the laws that I want to argue in that court, I think it's a pretty good statement of claim. I think they're going to have a very, very hard time coming back with anything. And I think they realize that now. That's what I'm trying to say. So, um, yeah, this <laughs> this could be a very magical year for me because this is a big statement of claim too. It's two hundred and ten thousand dollars. Well, two hundred ten, eight hundred. Yeah, two thousand ten, two hundred and ten thousand eight hundred dollars. There you go. So, we'll see how that plays out. Anyway, uh, thank you all so much for being here. I know it was a little bit of a long one today, but I'm honestly celebrating. You have no idea how good I feel. I think it comes out on the show tonight, but. Uh, yeah, this is how this is how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. Like seriously, <laughs> think about all the stress I was going through over the last couple of days, and uh, you know, it's not easy. It really isn't easy. So, I, I you know I do want to stress that if you are considering this, you know, um, have a very good reason for it. Have, that's all I want to say. Have a very good reason. Have a very, you know, you better know what you want to do with your life. Because this is, for me, what it's about is about living a meaningful, purposeful life. And for me, that means teaching everybody how to have their rights, you know. But asserting those rights is not an easy thing to do. I'm telling you that right now. Um, and that's why I'm hoping to do as much of it as I can for you. So, yeah. Stay tuned. Um, you know, some of the things that this has the potential to do is uh, reform housing services and basically set a new standard of how they're going to be treating people. And, uh, you know, if the justice in front of this court happens to be a good and honorable justice and uh, remedy is provided here, you'll start to see some truly magical things happen because I will begin, uh, I will begin providing wealth for the city of Ottawa for special programs and stuff. And uh, yeah, um, that's that's all potentially 
<laughs> in the works, like really, because I don't know what they're going to do. Um, they, they've been running from me for a very, very long time. Um, you know, it's interesting how the universe works because I have said that, you know, the government was really the last thing I wanted to take into court. You know, I really wanted to resolve things amicably. I thought that maybe the best way for me to go about it would be to take on things like Shoppers Drug Mart and whatever. That'll be fun. You know, finish out my lawsuit with uh, the estate, take care of that. And when I figured that when the government sees how all of that stuff plays out, they would just kind of get in line. And, you know, that was sort of, you know, I'd rather take a corporation out than make the government look bad. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the government looked like, you know, I don't have to make the government look bad. It does a fine job on its own. Um, so, you know, I'm, and, and it's not even about the government. It's about these, these service workers. Like I am sensitive to the fact that they, they have no way near the knowledge of law that I do. And I don't say that to be arrogant. I'm just saying like people, you know, you're not going to know this stuff unless you're like literally studying it and, and getting a sense of how all that works. And I've just been subject to a very, very niche uh, set of information, if you will. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. It has been a pleasure to be here. I do really love doing these shows. That probably comes out now, too. I'm almost beginning to enjoy more than my blog. No, that's not true. I, I don't think I'll ever like anything more than that. But I do love it. So uh, thanks for being here. I love you. Um, be good to each other and have a wonderful night. Ciao for now.